Hey, hello, how are you? This is a show for everyone else. Instead of going after top 1% of the world, we dedicate this podcast to celebrate the lives of the unsung heroes and self-made artists. I knew I wanted to help women that were working in male-dominated industries because what I was seeing as I talked to women was that they were wasting years in their career, essentially almost waiting for permission. There are industries where that's changing, but that's a tough haul and it take, you know, it takes a lot of inner work for people to get past thinking that your success is dependent upon somebody else's staying at the status quo or, or not moving forward. You would think that the boss is always going to tell you that, and they're so busy with eight million other things that they may not have done so. So I think it's your responsibility to always be checking in on a regular enough basis based on your company in a way that makes sense so that you're staying in line with what's going on with the business at the time. I hate to hear people say that they hate their job, they dread going to work, they feel all this stress. And I, I know, honestly, that most people will just stay with that. But there are also people within companies that are still have that fire in their belly. They still have that glint in their eye that they want to make things better. And they can. There's ways of doing that. Just because there's going to be change doesn't mean everybody's going to be threatened by it. And that, in fact, it could open all sorts of opportunities for you. And that's really kind of what Unlearnings is about. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Face World Podcast. This is your host, Fei Wu. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Gaida, who's a leadership coach for professional women who work in male-dominated industries. We met through LTMBA. Surprise! Lisa, among many other coaches I've interviewed on Face World, such as Michael O'Brien and very soon Michael Roderick, uh, Nicole Jansen, have all made not only sustaining but incredibly successful careers doing what they do. To find out what they have in common or what makes them stand out or be different from one another has been the journey Face World has been taking on. Based on listeners' requests, these unsung heroes possess something the general public want to know. Is coaching too good to be true? How do each one of them find their target audience? For over 25 years, Lisa was the only woman in the senior leadership team meetings. Utilizing a coaching approach, she knows how to grow employees, customers, and businesses. She has helped to build businesses from startups to nine figures. She has worked for clients such as Coca-Cola Company, 3M, Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, and many more. Lisa talks to me about the secret to growing careers, businesses, and relationships, and it all comes down to people. From how to deal with conflicts at work, managing difficult conversations, to thriving in a male-dominated environment, we get deep into the core of what every woman should know in a workplace. Also, quick announcement, FaceWorld is developing a super exciting course plus service called Reaching Billions, 
which is precisely about helping American or generally English-speaking podcasters launch their show in China through Himalaya FM that has 500 million listeners. Yes, that doubles iTunes alone. So if you're interested, please visit us online at faceworld.com forward slash course. Lisa, Gaida, thank you so much for joining me on Face World. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Oh, thank you so much, Faye. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So Lisa, you know, you have this incredible energy since we met at ELT MBA. And since then, I've seen you in several groups. And I've noticed that whenever you're there, it just brings comfort to me for some reason. You're always smiling and you're obviously confident and you're humorous. I think so much of that comes through your content. I, the way I think about introducing you, right? You are a, you're a writer, you're a coach, and you're a podcaster as well. Um, before I have so many questions about <laughs> talking about your coaching business for women in particular to help, you know, women who work with men. It's so funny as a podcast name because all the women do now these days, it's just more concentrated for some of them than the others. But could you guide us through maybe a rough timeline of, you know, where you come from, like the corporate job to, you know, how long ago you maybe started the coaching business? Sure. So I was in um, a variety of corporate settings throughout my career, basically in pre-press and printing and packaging. So for instance, we worked on smart water, everything from smart water labels to medical packaging to things you see in Bath and Body Works. So a wide variety of, of customers, everything you can think of that you see in consumer products, basically. And I was always the only woman in senior leadership in those roles. And while I had a great group of people that I worked with, there were times that it was a little trying for me. And as I got out to other companies, I really saw that um, a lot of the women really had way bigger challenges than I was used to working with. And part of it was that I had learned how to navigate the world. And part of it was certainly the, the, the folks that I worked with. But when I decided to leave that, I knew I wanted to help women that were working in male-dominated industries. Because what I was seeing as I talked to women was that they were wasting years in their career, essentially almost waiting for permission or to get noticed. They were waiting for people to comment on the great jobs that they were doing. Certainly not all of them, but an awful lot of them. And, and there needs to be like a whole different approach in order to stand out and make sure that you're, you're getting the recognition that you've earned. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was one of them. So <laughs> for many years and to, uh, I felt very much the same on top of that. Not, not only I'm a woman, I also happen to be Asian, I'm Chinese. And, you know, when you, and I notice, especially in certain environments that that can be very toxic, when you finally gather the courage, you raise your hand, you speak up. I mean, the look from other people's faces, like, who the hell do you think you are? You know, like, go back to your cave and hide and, you know, and 
And I was going to say, sometimes those looks come from other women. Like, what do you think of, think about that. That's like, I think that's really tough when women don't support other women, I guess. Yeah, I have I have to say I had I did not experience that firsthand in my career because there usually weren't a whole lot of other women um, at that level. The other women that were there, we all worked really really well together, so there really wasn't any of that. But I have talked to dozens of women who have experienced just that and it's uh, it's really kind of um you know, it's upsetting on a whole lot of levels because you'd think you'd be there to uh, lend an ear and be of some comfort and share kind of war stories and strategies and tactics. I, I guess I don't see it so much as a male-female issue. I see it as an insecurity issue. So it's almost the same response you get from, from men that are insecure in terms of being there. But then there's also that reality if if women are feeling that there's only a limited number of positions for women, say, at that level that it might be a little bit more dramatic and less cooperative. I think there are industries where that's changing, but that's a tough haul and it take you know it takes a lot of inner work for people to get past thinking that your success is dependent upon somebody else's um staying at the status quo or or not moving forward. Mhm. I think what happened with me was that I always try to seek out women in upper management that I actually had a lot of respect for. I who I aspired to become. It wasn't just someone in a very senior position and I, you know, look up to her regardless. So I was being very selective about that. And I it was very helpful instead of, like you said, maybe were some of the other women at the same career stage sometime a little below, a little, little after where I was, where I felt a lot of pressure. And it seems like there were a lot of internal politics and conflicts that were going on. But I agree with you, Lisa, that I feel like as a woman, sometimes I have higher expectations of other women and thinking that we're, we're in it together. Let's help one another. And I agree with you that sometimes Men can be uh, even more difficult, more aggressive and more difficult to manage. But I guess I didn't really have much expectation to begin with, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it really is a matter of um, of figuring out what's going on with everybody in the room. You know, as I said, instead of it being all in somebody's favor, if you can get motivated behind a group effort. You know, so so if your focus, for instance, really is on the customers, then a lot of times you can move past that. You know, it's like, okay, what's best for the customer? What are we going to do that's best for the customer? But there certainly are realities where, and I have encountered them a couple of times in my career where it was clear that, um, say, an, a, a new person came in and, and they simply did not want a woman in leadership, and that was it. And they made it very clear that they didn't want that. I gave it a try in those cases, and in both cases, I left because it's just if it, in my experience, I, I guess I respect my own time enough that I'm not going to put that kind of effort into <laughs> that kind of relationship. That said, though, Faye, I'll tell you a quick funny story. Please, of, uh, a guy that I thought was brilliant. He was just a brilliant leader, and he um, chose somebody that I strongly disliked to be the production manager during the week. And at that time, 
this is years ago, I worked as the production manager on the weekend. And it was key for those two people to work really, really well together. And this new guy that he chose for during the week, I could not stand and he could not stand me. So it was totally mutual, you know, it was was mutual. This this was brilliant. He called us both into his office and he you know, he praised both of us saying how wonderful each of us was and that he truly felt that we would make a great team. And he was kind of this eccentric character. And then he brilliantly had himself called out of the office and he left and he shut the door. And we both kind of sat there, you know, kind of quietly seething because of the scenario we've been put into. And we finally realized he's not coming back, is he? No. And and we kind of looked at each other and we're like, wow, he really got us. Okay. And we ended up figuring out how to work together. And we, we ended up being good friends, actually. So it was a matter of really a boss saying, hey, here's how it's gonna be. Here's how I want it. Figure it out, you guys. And he stayed out of it. And we, and, and we did figure it out. One thing I feel like I'm, I must ask, and then the reason is that I'm excited, really excited about this whole coaching series. Your line of work is fascinating. And I love the fact that each one of you has found your niche. Like, you know who your avatar is and who you're going after. And being a woman, to, to hear that from you and to know that there are women out there, myself included, look up to you and know you are there to help us solve these issues, um, it, it's just very encouraging. But there's a parallel that I couldn't help thinking about where we're living in the world, starting with my generation, certainly the generations before me and after me, that women are now becoming more powerful, not only uh, at work, but also at home. I know several female friends of mine, clients too, who really struggle with that, that dynamics between a man and a woman at home, in this case, either, you know, partners or husband and wives. And so does this ever come up? How do you uh, sort of articulate or dissect issues like this? You know, I think one of the challenges that we have in in those scenarios is when, when both parties are working, both are tired when they get home. If there's children, you know, there's just a lot to that. It takes a lot of energy to um, to do that. So there's a there's a couple of things going on there. One is I think it goes a whole lot easier when you forget the whole concept of perfection <laughs> and give yourself a break. That yeah, some days won't be perfect, and 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 that's okay. That's okay. Also that. Parents will uh, will usually agree on how to parent, but the actual mechanics of it can also be very, very different. And that can also be okay. So it's that understanding that just because your partner doesn't do it, take care of the children or the baby the same way that you would, doesn't mean that it's wrong. And I can, I can remember, and that was a long time ago, coming home and, and kind of going, <gasps> <laughs> and then re- stopping myself and saying, well, wait a second. Okay, this is not how I would do this. But there's really nothing wrong with this picture. You know, I got I have to chill out. And in that case, me, my husband was watching the, the kids all day that day. I have to chill. So I need to step back and let it go and understand that there's different ways. So I, I think that would be it. Something that helps 
Definitely that whole idea of perfection, though, um, and, I, and, and I think that's especially a, a big one for women right now where they, they put all this pressure on themselves to be perfect at work, be perfect at home, to be the perfect daughter. And um, it, you're just you're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're great, but you, you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I totally hear you. Some of that, it's like what we force upon ourselves. It's kind of our own imagination. My, I'm so guilty of that because, you know, I felt like my, you know, my dad was sort of uh, my dad passed away, but even you know when he was alive, he was very absent in both of our lives. And as a result, I compensated by playing the friend, the daughter, and the husband, and you know everything to my mom. And it just became a very unsustainable role, and not a certainly not a healthy one. It's a lot of pressure on on in your case on the on the daughter. Yeah, exactly. And I'm the only child. I'm gonna spin that a little bit more and say that oh man, I don't have children yet I love kids but I definitely hear and hear that from from many mothers I know and and it just sometimes to me sometimes it's like almost heartbreaking to watch them you know being so pregnant at work and have to go to meetings and have to apologize in the middle of the meeting I have to go pee and like it, <laughs> and they fall asleep yeah. and like oh what can I do to help you but I also notice on top of that Women are advancing their careers, you know, maybe not as quickly, but they work so much harder. So some women are ahead of their husbands, boyfriends in terms of title, in terms of income or recognition and appreciation. So I think I've witnessed a lot of men today really struggle with that and not just childcare. Is there a way to mitigate that or to manage around that, do you think? Like start a conversation somehow? Sure. I think, you know, when you're in a relationship and every marriage is is different, every partnership is different, there's there's almost like different unwritten rules in each. And you have to find what's going to work for both of you, where it feels supportive on the big issues so that you can get through when there's challenging times and that sort of thing. I, I think anytime there's a there's a job change, an opportunity for a job change, while we want everybody to be supportive and all the rest of that, it's a discussion because it's not going to affect just one person. It's going to affect the adult relationships. It may affect the the family relationships. I, and I always think that's really a discussion that needs to be had. What 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 are we gaining? What are we losing? You know, what are the opportunities? And um, what's the price we're paying? So it really depends on um, what you're doing and, and what your decisions are in terms of your family and your family life. Obviously, if this was, you know, in a coaching session, that would then go into really what are your values and what's it, you know, what's it for? For instance, when an opportunity for certain new positions come, you know, a significant promotion comes up, you know, what does that really entail? And is that something that you really want? And I think sometimes there's not enough thought that actually goes into that decision. It's that there's surprise and there's joy and there's more money that comes from it. But wait a second, what does this really mean? And do I really want that, number one, for for our family life, um, but also number two, for our you know career trajectory? Is that really how I want to do things? 
And I, I honestly don't think that there's an awful lot of time put into that. And if, if, if you listen to people, and, and I, Faye, I know we've talked about this a little bit before. One of the real complaints that I hear right now is that people aren't having fun. They're not having fun in their lives. It's like everything's scheduled. Every Everything is all about, you know, meeting this deadline and getting to this and getting there. And it's like, again, those are choices. and and. It's looking at things and deciding, wait a second, is that really what I want? Mm -hmm. Hi there, you're listening to the Face World Podcast. I'm your host, Fei Wu. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Gaida, who's a leadership coach for professional women who work in male-dominated industries. My life was so hectic. And even I've mentioned, like, sometimes you look at the money alone, you're like, oh, I'm so proud of that. And yeah, is it, you have to ask yourself if it's actually worth it. And I agree with you. Sometimes you reminded me literally, I think within the first 10 episodes when I spoke with an executive, uh, a female executive from an insurance company, Julia Holloway, who said something that made me pause. She said, women need to understand, you know, embrace this and that, but women need to understand that parallel moves are okay too. And absolutely. Right. Sometimes safer. I'm like, I've never heard of this before. And I realized, yeah, we just want to keep going up, up, up. And, you know, we never even thought about what the implications are. Is that even what we want? Exactly. Because then Simon Sinek gave a talk that I was at one time and he talked about, um, you know, what happens when people don't give enough thought to their careers. And what happens is, is that they're in the race. So the race becomes to get promotion, raise, promotion, raise, promotion, raise. And then they get to a certain level and a certain lifestyle and they're unhappy. And again, it, it goes back to what was the reason behind it? You know, why did they want to get there? And I th- I'm a big fan of parallel moves because I think it, it gives you a whole different worldview of what's going on in a company. It can give you all sorts of insights into not just the function of the company, but the, the customer experience through your company. There's a lot of advantages to it. It builds your depth of what's really going on. And if you decide to move up at that point, it makes you far more confident and impactful when you get into that kind of role. Mm. All right. Certainly, it, that's what I did earlier on in my career. I was an associate for so long from t- a technologist to a uh, BA, like a business analyst, and finally to project management. And people said, like, literally, what is wrong with you? How come you don't know what you want? And I learned so much like an apprentice uh, and had my beginner's luck. I was doing well and happy. But um, given your style, and I love the way you raise, so it makes me think that somehow, Lisa, you have probably given some counterintuitive advice to some of your uh, students, people you coach. Can you think of a scenario, maybe you've given an advice that, you know, the rest of the world may see it as counterintuitive, where even the student herself may see it as counterintuitive? Um, I think... Typically, in a in a coaching conversation, we may um, take a look at a scenario. 
for instance, that um, someone may feel they're not having the impact or they're feeling disrespected in a meeting, spoken over in a meeting. And as we go through that, I ask them to really take a look at it and, and, you know, not right away, but as we talk through it, really take a look at it and say, well, this person that interrupts all, all the time, does he interrupt just you? You know, does he interrupt the other men in the room? And then really see if this is, you know, the story she's telling herself, or is this the real reality of, oh, you know what, this guy happens to be rude, and he really just talks over everybody. And what's the scenario that's going on there? And how could it be handled differently? So um, I am an advocate of having outside conversations to straighten things out so there aren't things, resentments going on. You know, clearly sometimes we go through and, and, and plan how to have that kind of conversation. And it ends up clearing the air. Almost, I would say nine times out of 10, the person not understanding that they were doing something that was deemed disrespectful or seen as disrespectful. So they end up having a, a, a tough and sometimes awkward conversation, but they work through it and end up having a better outcome after it. And the, the one word of caution I would put to that is that think about, you know, if this is a particularly tough person and a tough conversation, but you feel strongly that it needs to be had in order for your own self-esteem, for you to clarify what's going on, is also to think about what kind of relationship you want to continue to have with this person. And that can help you to really un, you know, understand how you want to approach it. And I think especially if you want the relation to be better, and often I've initiated those awkward conversations and it takes someone to lead that conversation. And I agree with you. And then usually you end up sometimes like exactly like what happened between you and the gentleman. I'm sure you had your conversations and, and you end up being friends and work a lot better together versus those, I, I have to be honest, those I felt like I could never really develop a relationship with. And maybe I neglected not having those conversations and just hoping that, you know, we're just part ways. But I, I still think um, being proactive is the way to go instead of waiting and hoping that it would end. Right. And I, and I think you're going to, you can sense the people that you can have that conversation with. The other thing I tell, tell people, I do coach a little differently than a lot of coaches. I tend to ask permission, but say, you know, can I throw out a couple of suggestions and let's talk about those. If a conversation gets heated, even in a meeting, I think it's important that you can separate work from personal and try to do that as much as possible from the standpoint of reasonable people can disagree. But when it starts to turn disrespectful, it's okay to end that conversation and say, you know what, we need to continue this at another time and and let, you know, emotions settle down if that's the scenario that's going on. I know someone who's recently gone through a, a, a series, and in fairness to all the people involved, they've been under an enormous amount of stress, prolonged stress. So it's not surprising at all that tempers have flared. And um, that's how they've decided to handle it now as a group. If it starts to get too heated, they they all agree to stop. 
And I think that's very wise because they've worked together for quite a while. And it's just the stress level is is unsustainable. So they've got to find their own ways to make sure that they don't damage their relationships because of, while it's been prolonged, is a temporary scenario. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes we, going back to expectations of when we speak with a coworker or someone who is in a very close family or friend, we we take that conversation way more seriously as well. We prepare it. And I know some people even rehearse it, practice it with somebody else. And it's awesome that your clients can do that with you. And I also love the fact that you give suggestions rather than just questions on top of questions, hoping one day they will figure it out. I don't know why I'm so intrigued by this section. I was First of all, I want to just let the listeners know that you know, to kind of have a deeper conversation with you and to join your individual coaching program. It's very simple. The website is yleap.com, y-l-e-a-p.com forward slash coaching. And, uh, you know, at least I think your rates are reasonable. I think a lot of the coaching programs are incredibly expensive that nobody could dare to even be part of. But I think you really make it accessible to people. And I know you devote a lot of your time and attention to them, which means that, you know, they get a lot out of what they pay for. Before before we move on, I want to just I, I know like we shouldn't generalize men and women's behaviors, uh, but I wonder, I feel like there's a lot of, ever where I work, I feel like there are some overlaps there. And is it possible for you to remember, recall the advice that you have given, perhaps like what are some of the typical behaviors from uh, men versus women? Like what are what is maybe a scenario where, you know, if a woman's listening right now could think about approaching uh, it differently? Um, there's a couple of things. One is going to be general, but I think it's so important that that we should take a minute to mention it. And that is written communication with the ease of emails and text and Slack and whatever you're utilizing within your companies. The ease of it and the speed of it often inspires people to um, <laughs> send send messages that with some thought they wouldn't have sent, but also um, leads to oodles of miscommunication. Um, you know, what I tell people is, for God's sakes, once you get to the third email, pick up the phone, <laughs> go walk down the hall, go see the person, stop CCing 8 million people on it to cover your butt. Um, don't do that. Just go and have the conversation. You know, if you if you're in some scenario where you feel like you have to document it and everything else, then document it with an email, as you know, as as discussed. But make it nice. You know, just be polite and make it nice. That's number one. Number two is is schedule a time afterwards. Give it some thought, not while you're upset, but give it some thought. And I often tell women this in terms of um, that whole permission thing and thinking that they're gonna get noticed for their great job, to ensure that you're on a path for getting a, a, a raise each year. Even, you know, I always said I got raises even when they said there weren't raises, but I did that because I continually checked in on a regular basis with my boss. I didn't wait for them to come to me. I went to them and one of the most important questions I always asked was, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm going to be doing, you know, the next couple of weeks. 
the month. Here's what I'm focused on based on our conversations. Has anything changed in the business that I need to know about or adjust what I'm doing? And you would think that the boss is always going to tell you that. And they're so busy with 8 million other things that they may not have done so. So I think it's your responsibility to always be checking in, you know, not bothering them, but checking in on a regular enough basis based on your company in a way that makes sense so that you're staying in line with what's going on with the business at the time. Mm. That's super smart. I certainly did not do enough of that. <laughs> Recalling now I'm freelancing, realize, oh, I probably should have done some of those things differently. I mean, it it's so helpful to learn in this case with a coach outside of your company. When I say, I really mean it when I say this, because when you are in the same company together, sometimes you're in the trenches, right? You don't, you can see as far as whatever, six, eight inches in front of you, wherever the laptop is. And you don't really think about much of anything else. And, you know, if there's a crisis in the company, you're all in it together. So the person who can help you step back in many cases, I realize are the coaches who are equipped with a set of skills and the vision that, you know, you or people around you won't have. So, right. And and there's, um, if, if you've outgrown the projects that you're working on and you really want to move on to some other things, make it easy for your boss to allow that to happen. So help somebody along that if you could pass on a project to them, that would be great for them. That would be a huge learning experience for them. Don't just, you know, drop and run, <laughs> give them some support, make sure they're, they're ready for it. But the more that you can help your boss have a solution when you want to move on to something else, Hey, I want to do this, but here's who I think can step into this and, and take care of it. They're going to love you because you've cre- you've given them a solution You've solved a problem for that uh, new project that you're going to take on, and you're bringing up the skill level of that new person. So that's a great scenario to get yourself into, and it really helps you move up into projects that you want to work on. Absolutely. Hi there, you're listening to the Face Roll podcast. I'm your host, Fei Wu. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Gaida, who's a leadership coach for professional women who work in male-dominated industries. You know, it's so sometimes counterintuitive. Speaking of counterintuitive, right, the things that we learned in school, I've been we're spending years thinking about that now. I mean, since in my early 20s to realize, oh, I just graduated from college and now I got to unlearn everything, including the things I have been learning since I was a little kid, you know, from parents and generational changes and uh, all the structure, right? Don't speak up. Don't raise your hand. Be quiet. Don't bother anybody. That's precisely the opposite of what we've been talking about. So, um, so Lisa, I would love for you to introduce uh, your new program, or I don't even know how to call it, like your new project program, Unlearning, that I feel like everybody around me is talking about, and many of them have been involved. Tell us how it came about and and why. Sure. So um, we originally had a program, kind of our version of a TED Talk, 
within the Alt-MBA community. So it was for alumni, by alumni. And uh, Josh Jackson and some others and I coordinated that. And we did that for over a year. It was within the Alt-MBA community. So we wanted a place where people could share their knowledge, their expertise about something with the group. And as this has gone along and we talked about, you know, how do what's the next step? What's the next stage? It became clear to us that we wanted to open it up to folks who had, you know, in addition to the old MBA folks, but other folks that are interested in um, looking at things a little bit differently, you know, challenging typical thinking about that, but also having the opportunity to be involved in a deeper conversation. So every Friday at three o'clock, we have a different presentation. And I realize that's a ridiculous time, <laughs> but it was the one that was agreed upon for like uh, global people to attend. It is uh, um, three o'clock on Fridays. Someone gives a 15 minute presentation and then there is a half hour discussion. I must tell you that often the discussion is the best part of it. And it's uh, the discussion is only there only um, for the folks that are there live. We do record the presentation and we post the presentation as a podcast, kind of a quick and dirty podcast um, on Anchor slash Unlearnings. So um, it's I've been part of part of that, and it was phenomenal. I was in this session. I still remember today on classical music, which I have nothing to do with, but I do have a client I work for who happens to be in the industry, and I was learning so much. I mean, the guy was very gentle and soft spoken, mm -hmm. and the discussion after that was phenomenal. I mean, seriously, I, I was blown away. It really is. It's and it's and it's funny. It's they are a wide variety because we have a wide variety of people doing really interesting things. It's not an advertisement for your business. It's really a, it's it's a an opportunity to present your idea, your assertion, and teach a couple of things about it, and then give some action steps to take place, and then have a discussion. So it, I find myself sometimes going to something that really isn't something that's my interest area. And I'll be there and I'll end up being fascinated by something and thinking about it during the week saying, wow, I wasn't interested in that at all, but it's related to this over here. And it's just fascinating the connections that can get made by the ideas that are presented. So we, we looked at that and as we moved it over to unlearnings and that's unlearnings with an S, Dot co. That's the website. So you can sign up to see, um, to get on the mailing list, to hear about the um, presentations and get the info. It's on Zoom every Friday, three o'clock. We also decided to have some live events, workshops, and we are starting to do consulting with companies that are scaling, that are growing their business and basically working with them in a smart way to intentionally grow their business. So look at the challenges they have before they're just reacting to, oh my God, we don't have the right people. We hadn't looked at our processes, that kind of thing. And I, I'm so intrigued by that. So when you say you work with companies, does that, uh, does that mean you personally or you and Josh or what does that model look like? It's basically the two of us, it's, you know, depending on the company, it would, it would, uh, it's usually the two of us. 
But we typically what we do is go in and we have a conversation. And it's the kind of company that we're looking to work with is a company that's going to experience rapid growth or they're in the in the midst of it and they really hadn't planned for it. But they recognize now that they've got to take a look at it. And there's typical things that go on in companies that are going to go through growth. And if we're with them before they start, you know, one of it is it's asking the right questions. You know, why do you want to grow? What's what's the point of doing this? And and truly understanding this and making sure that their staff understand why they're doing this so that everybody's aligned. But looking at you know what are the big problems a lot of time do their pro- will their processes work that's a huge issue when you start to grow and what worked with 10 people and 20 people suddenly falls to pieces when you have 100 people so we actually use that unlearnings framework on Fridays to help do peer to peer training inside companies train them in that presentation process that we use because it's simple it gets the point across it's very succinct and it's u- reusable again which i think is really important you know you've got to get that going on within your company i mean how do you here's a thing lisa like you could probably be very comfortable and doing nothing much right now. And what we've been hearing so far is that you coach individuals, uh, you know, women on how to deal with men and deal with the ever, you know, sometimes toxic, sometimes challenging corporate environment. But on top of that, you know, you're one of the creators for unlearning. Um, where do you get all your energy for that? And why, why do this? And and so enthusiastically and passionately working on these things. There's a a couple of reasons. One is I am absolutely passionate about people's time. I hate to hear people say that they hate their job, they dread going to work, they feel all this stress. And I, I know, honestly, that most people will just stay with that. But there are also people within companies that are so ex- that still have that fire in their belly. They still have that glint in their eye that they want to make things better. And they can. There's ways of doing that. On the front line, it, you know, certainly it helps more if you have senior leadership working with you. Oftentimes it's middle managers that are the tough point. I'll be honest with you. Um, you. You can get senior leadership. You can get people on the front line. Oftentimes, it's the, the the people in the middle, and it's a matter of getting people to enroll, to trust, to understand that um, just because there's going to be change doesn't mean everybody's going to be threatened by it, and that in fact it could open all sorts of opportunities for you. And that's really kind of what unlearnings is about. It's it's what do you need to unlearn in order to go further? And I just saw this quote today right before um, we got on this call, and it was in an article on um, Harvard Business Review. Javier Pladeval, he's the CEO of Volkswagen Audi Retail in Spain. And he said, this is a quote from him saying, leadership today is about unlearning management and relearning being human. And I think that is so key to what's going on right now because of the amount of automation, the amount of AI, how that's going to fit into industries, and really the the soft skills, the 
being able to collaborate, being able to have, you know, real conversations without people um, getting fearful of their jobs is what's going to make the difference. And it's really interesting, Faye, because because it's so interesting, like the problems that might present themselves are something like projects are taking longer. We And, and the, the immediate thought is we don't have the right people. They may have absolutely the right people, but there could be all sorts of games being played and, and, and things going on that the trust level's been broken. And, and there's ways to rebuild that. So it's it's understanding what the really deeper things are that are contributing to the problems. I that reminds me of the most challenging yet the most proud project I've ever worked on. Not going to name any company is to redesign the company's website, literally with all three hundred people involved and the rounds of right revisions, approvals, and all the, uh, the unforeseen stakeholders. But what happened was the project started and ended twice and everybody had already left the company for one reason or the other. So I literally, Tony Robbins, the my team, and to say, look, it's not the people, the process broken, this is how we're going to navigate it. When I said it with such confidence, I actually was like, oh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, there's, there's no magic. It could just fail for the third time. And we did it. And there was another... I remember after design, the development team was uh, from another country. Let's just put it this way. And there was a language barrier. There was a time difference challenge. And there, there were a lot of internal conflicts between design and development. And I remember at one point, one of the designers who I was working with initially said, how come you didn't yell, didn't scream at the development company? I'm thinking, by the way, that never works. I even told my supervisor, right, being nasty does not work. It does not push the boundary does not make people more productive. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're you're saying that, that people do come first. And I think we have to believe in them, believe in people instead of questioning and making them work under fear. And I'm in a way grateful of what I learned. So now I work with the people on my team very differently and I get out of their way when they're doing what they need to do. So that I, I just I want to commend you on that. That's awesome. And and uh, I would say this both to you know to um, individuals that are looking at their job and and maybe with confusion over that new promotion. Should they take it? What you know what they're doing? And 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 I don't mean this in a ghoulish way at all. I mean this in a really really positive way. And the same with with companies is what is the legacy that you want to have. What do you want to be remembered for? You know, Seth Godin says, well, they miss you when you're gone. What he's talking about is, you know, in his case, he 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 posts a blog every day. And if it wasn't posted every day, yes, people would email him to see where it is. You know, they would miss it. So would do people would people miss your contribution? Are they missing it now because you're just holding back and you're waiting for permission for somebody to give to make those contributions? contributions. Think about how you want to be seen. And I think that helps you to make the choices that are true to your values and true to what you want to do with your life. Mm. Well said, Lisa. And there's just so much positive energy. And I'm so grateful to have met you through L10BA. And it's definitely... Likewise, Faye. I think I love your podcast. I love what you're doing. It's 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 you feature um, amazing people, and I'm honored to be. Here. So thank you. 
Hi there, it's me again. I want to thank you very much for listening to this episode, and I hope you were able to learn a few things. If you enjoyed what you heard, it would be hugely helpful if you could subscribe to the Face Royal podcast. It literally takes seconds. If you're on your mobile phone, just search for Face Royal podcast in the podcast app on iPhone or an Android app such as Podcast Addict, and click subscribe. All new episodes will be delivered to you automatically. Thanks so much for your support.